1: everyone welcome back to Rotoviz overtime on rotoviz radio brought to you by blue wire my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and i am joined as always by sean siegel one of the co-owners at rotoviz.com also one of the co-hosts of the ceiling bananas podcast as well as the Stedian, as well as the as to say stealing overtime which is the rotoviz overtime podcast uh, that i've forgotten the name of here as we kick things off so we started off on a really good foot we're going to talk about an explosively fun week two of NFL action. We did our instant recap on Sunday slash Monday, depending on what time zone you're based in, but that came out early Monday morning. Lots of positive feedback again on that show, so we did cover a lot of the action, Sean. And that we're going to specifically talk today some Monday night football takeaways. Two games on Monday night football, really fun action happened there. So we'll be talking about that. We'll also talk back on some of the other parts that maybe we didn't talk on and then on the the recap show. And then we're gonna dive into some potential uh tight end movers and shakers in terms of Sean's rest of season rankings. But Sean week two at this point, and this isn't something that I have brought up. This isn't something that I'm building the narrative for, but checking the Twitter streets over the last 24 hours, it feels like people think that drafting t- running backs to start your draft might not be the best decision based on how it has gone here
2: yeah it's been pretty rough right and one of the things that we talked about a little bit was this could end up being another year where even though it seemed like there was this big advantage at the top that perhaps it would work out again to where you really wanted to be it was at the bottom we mentioned saquon barkley as a very strong possibility to be that guy DeAndre Swift also in there. The Barkley-Swift teams, even with a a much lighter Week 2 performance from Barkley, still looking very, very good. One of the things that I was noting and looking through some roto screener history is that the age of the Uber back really does appear to be over. Right, This has been a trend that's been going on for a while. We talked about it some in the offseason that you have fewer opportunities. You have fewer backs who are going to be in that 18-plus expected points per game. And that 18-plus is a range that then gives you a chance to where if you can be Nick Chubb, if you can go four fantasy points over expectation for a season, then you get in that 22, 23 points per game range, which you need to be in, especially now that we're going to get that kind of scoring from some wide receivers, Cooper Cup coming back with another explosive performance. Stefan Diggs, more or less transcendent last night. Considering I think of him always as really the poster boy for Rotoviz, I wish I had more redraft exposure. It was fun, yes, sir. kind of scrolling through the dynasty leagues and seeing an extra 45 points plopped in there in almost every league last night. And really, sometimes you're looking for those Monday Night Miracles, but they were coming in
1: multiple directions, whether it was Jalen Hurts, whether it was, uh you know, we had Josh Allen obviously having a big day. And then obviously you mentioned digs but I went up against a team where I was pretty comfortable, shot in the Superflex League, where Mr. Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. You're never comfortable with the me, Bills haven't uh, played
2: yet. Never comfortable with the Bills haven't played.
1: 70 point lead with uh, both those quarterbacks just. Zooming past me on on Monday Night Football, so yeah, we had a, a main event team where we had a fifty point cushion, but we were going against uh, Josh Allen and stefan Diggs heading into that, and me and Sean had already written that game off as a loss before before Monday Night. Well,
2: we hadn't like written it summer. off, but I mean, a fifty point lead is not safe whatsoever, right? So, <laughs> so
1: it, it didn't work out for us, but yeah, Diggs. Like when we talked on the the recap, we're talking about Jalen Waddle, his massive week. I'm on Ross and Brian, his performance, and then stefan diggs probably has the the best performance of the entire weekend and the most dominant anyway in terms of how he put that up and the fashion that they put it up and i joke with uh zachary kruger a lot that you know obviously i like Devin singletary he's hoping that at some point this season over at rotor world he can write a blurb that says Devin single carry. Uh, so uh, at this point it looks like the bills don't even need running backs they're just going to continue to fling the ball to stefan diggs
2: Well, one of the things that I would recommend is that you try and buy some of the other pieces of this offense. Now, one of the things that we talk a lot about is to try not to get caught in the narratives that require a very specific type of path for a player who doesn't necessarily have the background of production. So Isaiah McKenzie, someone I like a lot, someone I'd like to be more involved in the offense A player I think should have gotten his opportunity earlier at the NFL level. He's got a lot of speed. I like the fast, smaller guys really at all positions, uh, especially at running back. But you have some of these players who can make a difference. I like to see them out there. It's also something that once those prices get into that round 10, 11, 12 range, when you're going ahead of Garrett Wilson, that that doesn't make sense. It's not that it can't work out because there's an alternate universe playing out somewhere where the Bills call plays a little bit differently. McKenzie was a little bit more involved. Diggs wasn't wide open on every play. And Garrett Wilson maybe didn't catch a couple of the balls. I mean, frankly, Garrett Wilson actually could have had an even much bigger game. He was missed multiple times open in the end zone by Joe Flacco. But there is a universe in which Braxton Berrios, Corey Davis – Elijah Moore, those elite running backs that they've had, block him even a little bit more, right? There are ways that these things could have not played out and were not right by any stretch on all of the plays. But I could, would contrast that with the situation where you and I joked throughout the entire draft process that we were drafting way too many Jets, way too many Seahawks, or maybe not even way too many, but just a lot of Jets and Seahawks compared to the community. Through two weeks, the Jets' plays look very, very good, as that now looks like. It could be one of the three or four most talented offenses in football, an offense that's talented enough that it will work with Joe Flacco. The Seahawks are opposite end of the spectrum, right? And the Seahawks now in a dynamic where, I mean, more or less what happened on Sunday is they didn't run any plays. They didn't have the ball for the entire game. Now, with Seattle, that's something you could see playing out for an entire season. I mean, they could get close to a record, number of plays per game on the low side which i mean that's not going to help you at all but in each of those situations we're looking at talented players who are being substantially discounted because of the assumption that the season can only play out one way so as long as you're getting a good price then everything is skewed in your favor to the upside if you miss on the Seahawks players, there aren't that many ways that it can hurt you as long as you have also built a good team otherwise. Now, if you have a DK Metcalf that you played on Sunday, obviously you wish he scores more points, that he gets that big catch as opposed to having it wiped out. Obviously, if you're playing Rashad Penny, you'd like to see them run enough plays that he can do what he does. But that's how you have to put the plays in line and in your favor and stack them up so that you get the advantage of those prices you win when you win big when you lose you lose very small or it's almost irrelevant because of what the price is a situation with isaiah mckenzie is really the opposite of that type of play again it doesn't mean that it couldn't work out i mean we're going to see some narrow path plays that do work out we see some every year my thing with those types of plays is that you want to be careful about feeling like you were wrong and that you should have chased the play that a lot of other people were chasing. Because when you chase that the following year and miss, then you stacked a lot of big miss, small hit types of plays into your team. And you just don't have good rosters overall, right? But getting back to my original point, this began this digression. I think that you want to buy some Devin Singletary if you can get. Prices that reflect frustration, which people should be frustrated, right? If you have him in really any format, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be looking for for a a buyer who doesn't realize that this car has been in some wrecks. I also think that you want to buy James Cook. He's the guy here who could really benefit from, number one, the fact that they don't seem for whatever reason to want to commit to Singletary. When he comes out and has that run to start the game yesterday and looks like he shot out of a can, and I'm thinking this is going to be a Devin Singletary game. And then like the only bad passes that Josh Allen threw the entire rest of the game or passes. He was trying to get the ball to Singletary. Zach Moss does, I mean, should not be on the field. I like Zach Moss. I thought that there was a chance that he could emerge as sort of a David Montgomery type for the bills. I mean, he should not be on an NFL field. So the next place here, the other thing that you get frustration with, even though it's just two weeks and it's a rookie is you get frustration from people who bought James cook. So Go out there, get him. I mean, he's the guy who now seems like, I mean, there's going to have to be frustration that sets in with the play callers and, and the staff here for Buffalo. But then the other guy, I mean, you're not going to get big discounts on this, but if you're in a league where the Gabriel Davis, where the Gabe Davis owner needs points in week three and is uncertain or is frustrated by that outcome or is worried that now Stefan Diggs is going to take too much, of the target volume i mean anything you can do to get gabe davis right now you have to do their deep passing one of the things that we saw in 2021 that was a little bit surprising you can go in and look at the advanced stat tool and see this in terms of catchable balls in terms of on target balls josh allen's numbers really dropping back from his 2020 breakout that kind of thing manifests in that nine to six loss to the jaguars which may go down a decade from now. Not that anybody's going to really care about this, but the biggest upset, the most surprising loss, like in a decade, (laughs) right? When you look at what they're doing now, when you look at the Bills, I just think that they could have lost the game last year, nine to six to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just boggles the mind. It also boggles the mind that they could have lost to the Chiefs and the Chiefs would lose to the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: (laughs) Any given Sunday.
2: Any given Sunday, I guess. You don't want it to be in the AFC Championship game buy Gabe Davis in every single spot that you possibly can you think about that game yesterday I mean Gabe Davis is not Stefan Diggs but the number of times Davis is going to be behind the defense over the next 15 weeks of the season it's going to be a lot
1: yeah it's one of those things too when a player isn't there in a big game it's kind of like you know people forget pretty quickly people playing fantasy football sometimes don't have that patience and if you're not out there for one week you you might not want them there for the second week so yeah put out those feeders sean on the other side of the ball then we obviously have a situation where the titans did not look good the way that the buffalo bills play offense you know it's strange from worse saying that we wish that they would give the running backs more touches but they play aggressively they continue to push it down the field they win this game 41 to 7. they could have eased up at a multitude of points they kept their foot down they kept pushing on those points and they crushed the titans and they have to be like you know heading into the season you're probably looking at the titans as being a, a contender for the conference so they're thinking a long way down the road to try and bury this team early from that conversation but the titans on the other side ryan tannehill did not look good in this two interceptions 117 yards malik willis come on kind of to, to see it off he had four pass attempts at the end derrick henry didn't do a lot had his touchdown 13 carries for 25 Traylon on i wouldn't say a overly bright spot but he did have four receptions for 47 so as a rookie in the second week of the season and some of those plays were were quite nice so i think he's moving in the right direction robert woods is the other kind of player in the offense we tend to talk about but just not a very exciting week here for Tannehill and this offense do we say that this is just one of those weeks where it's everything has gone wrong or or what are your concerns around playing these
2: guys moving forward yeah i i I mean this is one where both things can be true they're going to bounce back they're going to be better Obviously, you can't sell all your Titans, although the only Titans you would have would be Derrick Henry and, and Traylon Burks. But it's not going to be good either. One of the things that kind of slipped out when we were doing our recap show the there tonight is that the Giants were 2-0, and but they had played two of the worst teams in football. And I'm sure there were some listeners thinking um, one of the teams that they played was last year's number one seed in the AFC. <laughs> but the Titans are bad. And luck, this game man. really hammered that home as well. Now, there are going to be some solid teams that are annihilated by the Buffalo Bills this year. But some of the things that cropped up in that playoff game last year, I mean, there are going to be issues. And the thing that you see with the Titans is just, again, it's the reality version of this very narrow path where...
1: If, if they get early in a game like this, it's very hard for them to be like, right, we're just going to let Tannehill to throw it 50 times. And that's how we're going to end up winning this game. Like they, they have a path, and that's Derrick Henry in play action. If that path goes away, they're in big, big trouble.
2: And your defense has to dominate, right? Yep. You can't even just be decent. Your defense has to dominate because you have to be able to control the game on the ground. And when those running plays don't work, you have to be able to punt it with impunity. You have to be able to punt it and feel like, you know, this game will continue. We're not going to get blown out here. You can do that against. Daniel Jones and the Giants you can't do it against Josh Allen and the Bills you're not going to be able to do it against the Kansas City Chiefs you wouldn't think you'd be able to do it against the Cincinnati Bengals but through two weeks you definitely would have been able to it certainly appears this Titans team gets the benefit of having the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts in their division the Jacksonville Jaguars probably taking a step forward. But again, in their division, this is the weakest division in football. That will help them. Derrick Henry still a good player. Ryan Tannehill still a solid quarterback. But things just have to go right for you. If you're trying to run the ball and then throw to a rookie, Burks looked good. He looked big. He looked fast. He's going to be a playmaker. But we also know just how much they lose when they don't have A.J. Brown out there. It's been a little disappointing, I think, to see... How little they've been able to incorporate Robert Woods and or just how much of Robert Woods being a successful player for that stretch of his career really was Sean McVay and the Rams offense. Obviously, he was not a difference maker in Buffalo way back in the day before he had his Rams stretch.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: coming out of that game with the bills getting that one we talked sean about the dolphins and their massive comeback against the the ravens this week they face each other in week three so that is one that is circled for some highlight plays for me we'll probably be talking about that when we are doing the recap show next week so looking forward to that one already the other game monday night football was the vikings and the eagles and this was pretty similar in terms of how this game played out although the score wasn't as high the eagles kind of dominating this one pretty much from start to finish Jalen hurts looking really good he has looked really good passing the ball through two weeks 333 yards here one touchdown one interception but he had a massive day on the ground as well 57 yards two touchdowns so three total touchdowns going his way kurt cousins did not look good in this one and when the quarterback doesn't look good has 221 yards passed and that usually leads to a situation where you know the star players like Justin jefferson isn't going to have a, a big day either he did get 12 targets Six receptions, 48 yards for him. Adam Thielen, who you know, I still think at this point is is really done. he had four receptions for 52 yards, so he actually led the team in receiving yards. We looked through it then, though. Dallas Goddard, Goddard pretty solid day, five for 82 we had Devontae Smith, Sean, who we obviously said would bounce back this week. He did bounce back. Caught all of his targets, seven receptions for 80 yards from him. You know, AJ Brown's not going to have his week one week every week, but these weeks won't cost your matchups. You know, a five for 69 coming his way. And Quez Watkins, probably the other story coming out of it, is two for 69 and a touchdown going his way. The Eagles look fantastic. You mentioned on the recap show, they may be the best team in the NFC. It really looked like it here. They were comfortable throughout. They didn't really have to, didn't feel like they had to break a sweat at all in this game. It never looked like it was in any doubt for the Eagles.
2: No, it never did. And you don't know. In the first couple of weeks of the season, which teams are definitively emerging teams and which teams might be catching a a team on a bad week or playing a team that is not the level that we'd expected. I really felt like their game against the Lions was more promising than maybe it looked like on the surface, because I think the Lions are going to be very good. They did some positive things against the commander so that's still very possible obviously we know that the vikings humiliated your green bay packers in week 1 to come out here and get just absolutely hammered by the eagles in a lot of ways this game wasn't that much more competitive than the bills titans game now the eagles did miss some chances to really you know put a bow on it at the end to blow out the vikings there if you're playing aj brown if you're playing Devonte smithy for playing dallas goddard you would have loved to see one more passing touchdown in this game but the eagles look fantastic and you have to love what jalen hurts is doing in our bold prediction show sort of the bold predictions column bold prediction show i said that either jalen hurts or trey lance would lead the quarterback position in scoring well only one of those two guys is left and is really an option we never got to see what Trey Lance might have been capable of. We got the rain game, so that one you can probably throw out with how many points it's going to take to lead the QB position in scoring this season. I think you have to be skeptical that Lance would have been able to be quite in that conversation, but Jalen Hurts is doing exactly what we thought exactly what we hoped for him to be able to run and pass like this, and he's got so many weapons. That was one of the key points for both of those guys. The 49ers have played without George Kittle, that does knock down their explosiveness to an extent, even though they still have Debo and Brandon Ayuk. Those guys now do jump up with a passing quarterback back at the helm, but Hertz has shown that he can do both. And Quez Watkins, a good deep threat. Connor and I have a team or two with the Hertz and then Quez Watkins combo in round 18. You like to see that long touchdown for him when you have that 18th round pick of Watkins there. Devontae Smith looked like the guy that we've talked about. And again, with these young players, you hate to have the down week one because it does make it more difficult to play them in week two. Now, fortunately, in in my particular case, Smith ended up being a great swap for Gabe Davis on those teams. So sometimes you have some serendipity in terms of where the players line up. You can get that game in there. You don't have to take a huge compromise option when you have that starter who is out. But Smith bounces back. He looked fantastic in this game. It does look like he'll be the the 1B or even just the clear number two behind A.J. Brown. But I think it's easy to forget just how good he is. And when you put the two of those guys in there and then yesterday call the rest of season tight end rankings came out and i moved dallas goddard up despite his bad game in week one this again kind of following that principle of if the offense as a whole looks better than anticipated not from the perspective that you didn't think it could be good but if you again have this range of outcomes this probabilistic thinking and you know that within the the likely ranges there's this potential that maybe Hurts doesn't take the step forward as a thrower. Maybe they run the ball more than we're wanting. Maybe AJ Brown just gets every target, you know, through a couple of weeks, but this just looked so promising. Got with the big game here and, and not even necessarily that big of a game, but the, one of the reasons that you have the elite tight end plays is that it does not take as many points to give you a big edge at that position. I really like Goddard at this point within the context of this offense. He doesn't look like he can be a Mark Andrews. He doesn't look like he can be a Travis Kelsey. I don't think that he can be what we still expect Kyle Pitts to be. But where you drafted him, he's going to be a good buy.
1: Yeah, they just look great, I think, is the way I (laughs) I would settle it up. Like two weeks into the season, I don't think things could have went better for people who drafted. Obviously, week one could have went better for both. Devontae Smith drafters and for Dallas Goddard drafters. But I mean, through those two weeks, what we've seen from this offense, how explosive it's going to be. You don't get any fantasy points for playing with, you know, swagger or confidence. But Jalen Hurts and this team are, they're really feeling themselves after two weeks. I think it was the long touchdown to Quez Watkins, it might have been, where he tosses the ball and he just like stands with his arms folded looking over at the sideline, you know none of this at the moment feels to be like, he's saying, wow, I can't believe I did that. It's more like, yeah, I, I did it there. I'm going to do that again a couple more times this season. So yeah, they, they are pretty much, uh, where you would dream of them being after two weeks.
2: They are calling. what, what's your squat record. Do you have that for us? They were showing uh, some pretty serious work there from Jalen Hurts in the. OG is there program.
1: is there anyone that's ever going to like you know fact check me on this? Can I go for a ridiculous number? Or... It's it's not very high. It's uh, and it's certainly not very high at the moment in the year of 2022. It needs to. I need to get some work on my athleticism. Sean, let us know. Have you a record that you can share with us there?
2: No, the the uh, <laughs> I can do some of the or was able to do some of the bench stuff that they do at the uh, NFL Combine. I'm sure that's also the case for plenty of listeners. I, I don't have any squat records that uh, that are worth sharing with the crowd. No,
1: I know. I know we like to have Sean, you know, had a dig at Aaron Rodgers from time to time on the show, but Aaron Rodgers has talked about he's really built up his leg strength over the the last couple of seasons, and that's what he credited his improvement in performance to. So maybe Aaron Rodgers maybe can squat more than Jalen Hurts, and we won't let Sean reply to that comment. We'll move on to the next section of today's show. Uh, <laughs> moving on. To the you mentioned, you seem awfully the,
2: excited that Aaron Rodgers had like one scramble for a first down in that last game.
1: You know what I was impressed with Aaron Rodgers was when that uh, bad snap happened and he dived on top of the ball. I I just what I my mind went to is I remember in the Super Bowl Cam Newton got annihilated for not diving on top of the loose ball. Tom Brady didn't dive on top of it uh, in Week One. Aaron Rodgers went after that ball and uh, was able to keep the possession for his team. So
2: that's a good play and he also say, could have like that never that somebody
1: up. somebody could have hit him and uh you know he could have just ruined his shoulder for the rest of the season but we talked yeah, about week one where we uh we, we didn't have that uh you know competitive spirit so we've seen it in, in week two he's
2: yeah, like alan lazard's back i'm ready to go we're gonna blow out this really terrible chicago bears team a chicago bears team that decided they wouldn't even bother throwing the ball which it's always good how are darnell mooney and cole commit doing right now
1: yeah they're they're not doing good they are missing people at this point of the season we're hoping we can find them before week three it just seems that the bears coaching staff do not trust justin fields to throw the ball which is very very concerning at this point of the season
2: well they had a lot of very positive notes on him in training camp he played well in the preseason i think had a
1: positive training camp as well but seems to That doesn't matter anymore.
2: Well, and Cole Komet, I think, is somebody you would actually go and buy. Right? Darnell Mooney, there are enough wide receiver options. It's almost a situation where making that move probably doesn't help you that much. Cole Komet, I mean, now is the perfect time to strike. I still think this offense is going to work. But the Bears have done some concerning things in that, unlike some of these other teams, unlike the Philadelphia Eagles, who go out and get A.J. Brown, unlike the Cardinals, who... You could probably argue made a mistake in the what they paid for Marquise Brown, despite him actually playing well at the end, making that dazzling catch that should have been called a touchdown. Dave Cabin and I did lose because that play was overturned. It was kind of funny. We You mentioned some of the huge leads we had, but obviously expected those to evaporate with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen playing. Dave and I went in with a seven-point lead over a Dalvin Cook team, and you're basically like, I mean, unless he gets hurt, which you're not rooting for, you hope doesn't happen. You know, t- there's just no way that Dalvin Cook scores fewer than seven points. Colby almost did. It ended up being a one-point game. So it's like, just that last little Sometimes
1: bit. Sometimes they're the hardest losses to accept then when it just comes down to so little.
2: Yeah, well, we should have scored more points. The key with the Cardinals is that Marquise Brown, despite that catch that was an almost touchdown, not very involved in that game. I think there's going to be a situation there where they may have ended up preferring that they had just made a pick. And yet these teams trying to help their quarterbacks out and the Chicago Bears almost went in the exact opposite direction. I don't know why he would undermine the key player because there is important development that goes on. Even if you are thinking that you want to approach it almost like a tanking dynasty team. And one of the differences between tanking and reality and tanking, on paper is that human beings don't react as well to the humiliation and the lack of development, right? You're not really concerned about developing the players on your dynasty team. When you're tanking all of those games, that part is is irrelevant to you, but that's is one of the reasons why we see some of these actual sporting organizations build a little bit differently. Now the teams that are always taking a compromise path that won't work for you right but even as you're losing games you need to be developing your team one of the things that we saw last year with the Detroit Lions is that that team developed a mentality for 2022 and for going forward that was going to make them a playoff contender possibly an eventual Super Bowl contender the fact that they're not in the same conference with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen means that the Detroit Lions even with Jared Goff could be a Super Bowl contender and that comes from their head coach and what he's doing there You say then in the offseason, that even though they don't have a quarterback yet, they're trying to build up that offensive explosiveness. You have Amon Ra, you go out and get DJ Chark. You've got TJ Hawkinson, who frankly had a terrible game on Sunday. You have DeAndre Swift, and then you go and you get Jamison Williams. I mean, this is a team that despite the macho toughness from the head coach, I mean, this is a guy who understands, yeah, we want to dominate in the trenches and we want to blow you out over the top. We want to be better than you at everything. And that's what you want to see from these head coaches, whether or not they're former tight ends, whether or not they're former offensive linemen, whether or not they're former safeties, whether or not they're former guys who went to an Ivy League school and came up through these different organizations, whatever your path was, you want to be telling your team and the fans, we're going to dominate in all facets. And I think you have to love what the Miami Dolphins are doing. You have to love what, the Detroit Lions are doing I'm more skeptical about what the Chicago Bears are doing
1: I think we all are we're very concerned and that's coming from a Packers fan I, I'm not concerned about the Bears I hope they continue to lose but I mean I would like to see some fantasy points scored in those situations
2: that's kind of my situation with the Denver Broncos this Sunday column where I'm like you know as a reality fan there is almost nothing that's more hilarious than listening to the crowd chant Boo their own team well I don't know i mean you get booing right but when the only thing that you can hear or when it comes through as if there's some obnoxious fan not obnoxious they but just like someone with the loudest voice that you know is like sitting next to you on the couch announcing the play clock countdown every play and that's what the entire stadium sounds like that was that was the most hilarious development of, of week two right? I thought we had have have all these chat. great developments we had some tragic developments the funniest one was the Denver Broncos and then not being able to get the place off. Yeah,
1: I thought they might have been chanting, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. Uh, we all thought that it's was like, going to happen. I mean,
2: he's done, right? He's just, not a, he's,
1: he's just not a very good chef. That seems to be the, the takeaway here.
2: No, he made some nice passes toward the end, the, the deep pass to Cortland Sutton, the pass to the tight end. Unfortunately, it wasn't Albert O, who also was in the end zone on that play. So, I mean, just... These things happen. Throw it a little bit to the right
1: speaking of tight ends we'll, we'll go to the tight end rest of season ranking so we're only going to talk kind of about some of the main ones but sean mark andrews makes his way to the top spot that means travis kelsey goes to second the one that's still in the range he does move down but it is kyle pitts looking at how the tight ends have performed this season you know kyle pitts obviously it's very very disappointing with how things have started but comparing even catch percentage like he's had a 40% catch percentage based on the targets he's had he has had a lot less targets only the 10 but if we look at Travis Kelsey for example he's at 16 targets so it's not massive differences he doesn't have a touchdown they have a touchdown he really hasn't he's has 38 yards you know they they're both over 150 so big differences there I will get your thoughts on pets, though out of those guys I think it's no surprise with Mark Andrews and Kelsey being one and two but pets, maybe for some people they may feel that Pitts maybe shouldn't be in that tier one where they the top three are there's a tier two then with darren waller and george kettle george kettle hasn't played so he sticks where he has darren waller sticks where he has tier three is where we start to see the changes but i'm getting a a lot of twitter dms a lot of questions around kyle pits i've actually got somebody reached out today that they have changed their opinion they're buying low on kyle pits and they're going to put out those feelers and i'm sure that's probably what you're going to mention here as well we have two main event teams with kyle pitts who we took in the first round so we have a lot riding on the kyle Pitts call sometimes people will message their frustration to say like you know i listened to a show i drafted kyle pitts my team's not doing well i'll say well the one thing that we do is we draft the players we talk about so sean kyle pitts in the third slot what's your feelings here as we we move forward and something that i'm hoping that really kickstarts this is he faces the seahawks this week uh, the other part of it that i'm concerned about is arthur smith He does not seem to care about fantasy football teams and uh, went out of his way to mention that in a a recent press conference.
2: Yeah, I was joking in the the article that if you are coaching the Atlanta Falcons, you want to be able to force that opposing defensive coordinator to say, you know, we lost that game because we didn't properly account for Kyle Pitts as a blocker. And maybe that'll happen at some point, but it hasn't happened yet because the Falcons are 0-2. It's hard to make a reality case for doing something silly when it's leading to losses so from that perspective you understand right and we're frustrated that he's not putting up any points the Falcons are frustrated that they've lost two games that they very easily could have won I mean they had this game right you've got Drake London who looks uncoverable you've got Kyle Pitts you have Marcus Mariota playing well when he isn't asked to do the silly things that Arthur Smith is claiming help you win reality football games. I mean, they had the ball to win this game at the end. They obviously should have defeated the New Orleans Saints in week one. It was a lack, again, of aggressiveness and believing in your players. You know, Arthur Smith is saying we want to win reality games, and yet his demeanor and dynamic and play calling, you contrast that again with where the Lions are with Dan Campbell, and you can see which coaches are leaders and winners and which possibly aren't i'm not saying that the arthur smith isn't a winner or that this team is not going to be good because they've done a lot of cool things it's going to be a good team you made kyle pitts the first pick in the draft who wasn't a quarterback last season he's not yet 22 years old as we sit here today he was the first rookie tight end to have a thousand receiving yards this century but one of the things too is just—it's important to have all of these things in context. You look at that one thousand yard receiving season, and he still had games with fifty or fewer yards on eight occasions. It's difficult for the tight ends to consistently put up the massive types of games that you're going to see from some players to other positions. Now, that's not to say that you want to have them start the season with two poor games. That's extremely disheartening. It's very bad for us from a fantasy perspective. Come on, I was going through my teams and. It, we talked a little bit about the euphoria from the first wave of games on Sunday. And then the heartbreak when Trey Lance goes down in the second wave, obviously that's number one, a human story much more heartbreaking for him than it is for any fantasy manager. We go then through and look at the teams and basically all of the teams that do not have either Kyle Pitts or Trey Lance are in first place, first or second place. (laughs) So you're like, well, big picture things are working out very well. But those specific misses, um, those make a difference, especially early on. If it continues to be a miss, then it's going to be a miss that is somewhat catastrophic because the scoring level that you need and the ability for that pick to create leverage for you throughout the rest of the league, how the scoring works on an individual basis weekly, and then what you're looking for as you go to play the tournament portion of the contest those things are all important so pitts has got to do what we expect him to do he's not one of the players i'm that worried about my biggest concern from a fantasy perspective is just that those teams now are having to fight from behind and you don't want that you prefer to be 2-0 you prefer to be one of those teams that's first and second place that part of it there's no way to say oh you know it's not a big deal it's a big deal but like the situation with the eagles the fact that the falcons have moved the ball easily and scored points is a big positive the fact that mariota has big picture been very good is a positive now he made some crucial errors in both of the two games to help lose those games how much of that you put on him and how much of you put on arthur smith i mean it's going to kind of depend a little bit on which guy you like i mean which one you're not so happy with but the big picture is that the Falcons look good. They're going to have all of these games in the Dome. They're going to have all of these potential shootouts. And Drake London looks good. And so unlike last season, a team can't just come out and say, you know, we'll, we'll just take Kyle Pitts away and we'll be fine. Because then, I mean, Drake London's going to start lighting people up for... They're going to the have Texas. to
1: cover London very quickly. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, he's going to light teams up like we saw from all these 40-point wide receiver scorers this week the numbers that you're going to get from Garrett Wilson, the numbers that you're getting from Drake London, those are not a mirage. Those guys are going to put it on the opponent. That's going to free Pitts up. It's going to be great. Really what we want in these offenses is to have two stars and have the offense run almost entirely through those two guys. Now, what we've gotten in the first two weeks is it hasn't run much through Pitts at all. But another tiny little thing, I talk a little bit about the forest. I talk a little bit about the trees in this article. From either perspective, I think you're fine, Right. Pitts does draw a 36-yard pass interference penalty in this game. If he's not held by the defender, he's behind the defense. You continue to see the deep targets that you like. There are going to be hardly any tight ends in the NFL that bring that target depth of around 12. And one of the things that we've seen through Mark Andrews the first couple of weeks is he's a 12.4, right? So almost 12 and a half. Mark Andrews leads in target share. He leads in air yards. The Baltimore Ravens cannot run the ball. And it looks like their defense may get them into some shootouts. Mark Andrews moves up. Looking at kind of the rankings preseason, had him a couple spots ahead of where he tends to go overall. Certainly wish we had him even higher. I mean, he's the guy who carried us down the stretch last season. To me now, he looks very clearly like someone you would want above almost all of the running backs from that group. And even with Saquon Barkley and DeAndre Swift hitting, I, mean, I think you can make a pretty compelling case for him above those players as well. Still obviously open, whether or not you prefer Devonte Adams open, whether or not you prefer Stefan Diggs, even coming off of that Diggs game last night, I think it's not that hard to make the case that by the time we're at midseason, you prefer to have Mark Andrews. So He's a the guy there. He is on again the team that I drafted with Eric for the listener contest. Those teams again, so much fun. We appreciate everybody who participated in those. I, I gotta say that, that that team did have Trey Lance, and so it got the two point eight, but it did win. It got the two and zero, looking very, very fun. Colin, would you move Kyle Pitts down? Into tier two, into this range with Darren Waller and George Kittle.
1: No, I wouldn't. I I would keep him where you have him. I think he's clearly behind those top two guys. But I think when we're looking at rest of season, Kittle having that injury earlier in the early in the season is a bit of a a concern. Obviously, the quarterback change probably won't affect him all that much. Darren Waller is looking like Darren Waller so far, so I, I think that he's closer now to those two guys below. But I still have him where he is. Obviously, if you're looking for fantasy points after two weeks he's he's not he's not with them but you mentioned you know the the upside the air yards the downfield targets things like that i think perception can change so quickly i was hoping it was going to happen in week two and you know this conversation would not be need to be had anymore but hopefully after week three we'll we'll see that happen and it is going to happen here at some point but the part that you mentioned that is very true you mentioned earlier about having you know those pass to victory and the you know the the one big can lose small picks when you take somebody in the first round who after two weeks hasn't really performed, that is something that can turn into a, a lose big, but there is still a lot of fantasy football left to be played. And I think hopefully Arthur Smith uh, changes uh, how he's deciding to use Kyle Pitts.
2: Well, I mean, he's frustrated, right? And he has to defend that. But the backlash against what's happened here is immense. And It's almost a situation now where you could see pits with more overall volume for the certainly for the rest of the season, but even for the entire season than what they really intended. Simply because once you start 0 2 and the coach is taking the blame for specific decisions, I mean, you almost have to adjust. Yeah, the hot seat
1: warms up pretty quickly.
2: Yeah. So I I still think that he can outscore Travis Kelsey. I think it's going to be more difficult to outscore Mark Andrews.
1: Yeah uh andrew's looked great this week and uh huge like the workload is just going to, to him and bitman and bitman probably should be getting more work but uh yeah fantastic start for him sean running through tier three and tier four we're not going to go through all of these and i will be linking to it in today's show notes for people who want to check out the full article you mentioned dallas goddard already he moved up to six then we have pat fairmouth up to seven tj hawkinson stays at eight you mentioned hawkinson and, and uh goff and their desire to not complete passes on the the recap show but he is getting the targets the problem is the the 50 catch rate that he has so far and i'm going to tie it in with tier four because we have some movers here dalton schultz Dawson knox moving down gerald everett moving up and you had him high in the preseason and the offseason moving him up to tight end nine now people might still feel that that could be a little high but he has got everything that we want through two weeks. He's in a high-powered offense. He's got 14 targets. He has 125 yards and a touchdown. Like, you know, he's getting everything that you would want from a, a tight end that's probably not that far away from moving into tier three if things continue the way that, that they have. So in that list, we have Goddard, who we talked about. Then we have pa- uh, Pat Fairmouth, then TJ Hawkinson, then Everett, Schultz, and Knox. I'll let you talk about one of those guys, which one you want to talk about I'm afraid that's going to be Gerald Everett.
2: Well, I mean, Fryermouth is in a great situation here where he's really drawing targets. And when you consider that Chase Claypool and George Pickens are there, that was the question. Does he take this big step forward? I think that he's going to. He's also someone who, I mean, the catch rate, just 53%. There's room to outperform what he's currently doing by a pretty wide margin as well. Even though he's played well, he's this kind of weird sort of mix of a buy low and a buy high. Buy low because he could have scored a lot more. Buy high because people are obviously reacting to what he's doing. He's going to be going up. Do you want to buy on the ascent or after a down game? Sometimes it's easier to buy as players are going up because at that point the opposing manager doesn't think that you're trying to buy low on them after bad games, it can be tough to get players because whatever you offer, the fantasy manager is going to think, okay, well, if he had just had a good game, he would have offered more. So I'm not going to take this. So just psychologically think about that possibility with it. I'd really like to see the Steelers go to Kenny Pickett and see what they have there. Mitchell Trubisky looks absolutely awful. Hawkinson, I have his flat. That is down a little bit in my rankings, but his overall value, I think is flat. Some other guys jumping up ahead of him doesn't mean that his outlook has really changed hasn't played very well jericho has not thrown very accurate passes and yet the lions offense so dynamic that he's still going to be this tight end who potentially really helps you as defenses I mean, there's only so much you can do to take away a player like a cooper cup or a player like an amon Ra. but we did see some of the teams adjust in week two and do a little better job of taking away Justin Jefferson, do a little better job of taking away Devontae Adams. I mean, teams aren't just going to capitulate. Some of that volume in some weeks could flow very heavily to Hawkinson. And then Everett, yeah. One of the things here is just you always want to be in the same way that when you are wrong on a play, but you still think the thesis is there and you're not going to give up on it. When you appear to be very right through a couple of weeks, you want to maintain a little bit of skepticism and realize that, I mean, there are still things that could go the wrong direction here for Gerald Everett. He does make a play that, or is at least involved in a play that hurts them quite a bit in that game from a reality perspective. Keenan Allen will obviously be back. I don't think that he can sustain that target level. I don't think he can sustain the yards after the catch he currently has 73 yards after the catch that's best at the tight end position if he can i mean if he can settle in at tight end six then all of those teams that drafted him are going to look very very good but if he can stick here at tight end nine where i have him i'd be very happy with that higby actually leads the position in targets but his target depth of 3.8 is kind of hilarious it's hard to see the rams succeeding long term if tyler higby is playing that big of a role in the offense but with Ertz and higby you definitely like the target numbers that they're getting again at a position where it's so hard to get any type of volume whatsoever those players are in demand
1: yeah so we'll see but the whole of that list sean is up on Rotaviz.com. if you want to get access to that you can get yourself a Rotaviz nfl pass if you haven't done so already and if you're a loyal listener to the podcast which if you're listening to this and you've listened through the entire thing so far i believe that you can class yourself as that you can get yourself a 10 percent discount while signing up with the code rb radio 2022 at checkout sean you also uh will have that linked in today's show notes so if anyone wants to get a quick link to head on over and look at it to see the full entire list we have 24 tight ends listed up in that we are going to be back on friday with the next episode of Rotoviz ot we will have a monday wednesday friday release schedule i'll also have a link in today's show notes for a tweet where you can see the schedule for stadium bananas and Rotoviz overtime over the rest of i guess the entire nfl season we hope to have three shows a week for you coming from both of those podcasts speaking of Stadium bananas sean ben gretz your co-host had a Milestone for stealing signals this week, which was really cool. So, congrats to Ben on that. And of course, you need to be listening to Stealing Bananas. That was just another way of me getting a, another plug in, Sean, for stealing bananas uh, ahead of the releases this upcoming week. But that is going to kind of get us towards the end. The last thing I want to mention is uh Bjorn has a waiver wire piece up every week. When you listen to this, the waiver wires will have run. But I would urge you to head on over early each week to get his win the waiver wire column this week he had 12 priority pickups and nine stashes in that article so although it is past waivers in most leagues when you hear this show you can also go and check out uh the stashes maybe some of those guys are still there for you to head on over and pick up but with that we are going to close things out my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host as always is sean siegel you can check all of sean's work up on road and until we're back on friday have a good one